Welcome to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Uh, g'day, everyone. Welcome to another edition of Food Bites. A really bonzer edition. We're very Aussie again this week, Kevin. Well, you know, it's barbecue weather and there's a little sprinkling <laughs> of sunshine around the place and it's, uh, you know, springing a step and feeling good. Well, that's how it should be every day bit of the year. Bit of sun on your back. It's amazing how much mm-hmm. that difference that makes when a bit of sun in your bones <laughs> makes you feel good. And I've got to tell you, our guest... There weren't any bigger there weren't any bigger stars in this country in the late seventies than this bloke. Mark Holden, I want to make you my lady. That bloke. Yeah, the red <laughs> carnation, the white sports jacket, and uh, oh, the young doctors, <laughs> doctors in love. He did a couple of movies, and uh, then yeah. he went to LA, and oh, he was he was thorough heart throb material. Oh, was he still ever? is, of course, but you know. he's he's in his seventieth year. Mm-hmm. So we'll talk to him about a whole stack of things, uh, including something mm. that I never knew about before until we spoke to yeah. him, the Holden Circus yes. and and uh, where that family goes back onto the Bellarine Peninsula and uh, the roots it has in, this, uh, in, in, in Australian history, quite unbelievable. You're going to find out some really significant things about uh, Mark, Mark Holden, which I'm sure you never heard before because Kevin and I certainly didn't no. know. Um, including dangling out of a helicopter. Oh, yes. Uh, that'll be coming up. And then in the food poll, well, <laughs> oh. I like this one. Yeah, don't spread yourself too thin. It's a battle of the spreads. Lemon curd, and I know Kevin absolutely loves oh. a nice zesty curd, oh. uh, up against good old-fashioned Nutella. No, see, not, yeah, no. not for me. No, no. Remember how they used to promote it full of uh, goodness because it was full of hazelnuts? Yeah, yeah. It's full of chocolate, <laughs> bit of sugar, <laughs> which is good, and, and sugar, Doesn't which is hurt. which is which is pretty good. But the zestiness yeah. of lemon. Well, it has curd. to be. It has to be punch you, punch you in the face. Zesty. Oh, it? absolutely. Yeah. We will find out all about that uh, later on. But now let's get to our guest this week, and it is Mark Holden. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. Mark Holden, thank you so much for doing our show. Just to set the scene and just to catch up, where. In the world, do we find you these days? I'm in uh, sunny Melbourne, in Elwood, in my office in the front of the house, overlooking the street, and it's a beautiful sunny morning and uh, cold and still. And and you're a retired gentleman these days, are you, Mark? Not really, but I've just retired from the Victorian Bar, where I was a barrister for 12 years. I yep. put my retirement in, in uh, April the 30th of this year. But uh, I've gone back into the music business uh, full steam, and um, uh, I've, I've uh, you know, relearning the the music business after having been gone for nearly fifteen years. That's really interesting, Mark, because it it, it looks when you uh, look over your life that that your law studies were very much a a, a work in progress and sort of went parallel to your I music mean, it took career. Twenty five years or something. Yeah, to get his but, degree. but then <laughs> in your mid fifties, you found yourself reinventing yourself then, and uh, and that was as a barrister. Yeah, that was unexpected. Uh, I, I went to I went to uni in LA in um, sorry, LA. In South Australia, in Adelaide, um, in 1971, I think I did three years full time at law school in Adelaide, and then in my the end of my third year, I did uh, uh, that show um, showcase on Channel Nine and with Gordon Boyd, Hector Crawford showcase. I came fifth or something or other, and I was offered a publishing deal and moved to Sydney and moved my uh, course to Sydney to the University of New South Wales to try and get the last year done. 
And in the middle of that, I was offered a record deal and kind of dropped out. I did one subject in my last year, but I was short three. So I just went on, did my, um, you know, my recording with EMI and became a pop singer and had some hits there. And then um, when I came back to Australia in 96 from L.A., from living in L.A. for 16 years, I kind of didn't know what I was going to do. So I applied to university to to see, see if I could start again. I thought I would have to start again and uh, found out just at the very last minute that Adelaide University would give me some credit and they would uh, they would allow me to continue. So they gave me one year credit after all that time and I had to start to, I did to do three years full time and they allowed me to do it at uh, Monash but as an Adelaide University student. So I did three years full time and during that period of time uh, was working with Vanessa Amorosi. Then Vanessa Amorosi took off so I was doing my law subjects and exams while on the road with Vanessa, but I was determined this this time not to uh, drop out again because I knew I would never get I'd never get back to it. And I managed to actually get my degree at that time. And then um, in 2007, uh, 2008, when I was uh, fired from Idle, I had a law degree, but I hadn't uh, been admitted to practice. So at that time, um, after a year of licking my wounds, I uh, went back to uh, get uh, to do my practical training with a law degree to be admitted as a as a lawyer. And uh, during that process, uh, I was standing in line in one cold July morning in Melbourne at a telephone store, getting my daughter an iPhone, and found myself standing next to a guy called William Lai, who was uh, is and was a barrister. He was standing in line to buy his son an iPhone, who was actually the same age as Katie. And uh, we talked and talked and talked. And and by the end of waiting in line and getting the thing, I was convinced that uh, I should be a barrister because he's a barrister. He's now a KC. And he became my mentor and uh, at the bar. And uh, I went straight into the into the what's called the readers course, which is where the barristers teach the barristers, the barristers and the judges teach the barristers, and you have to go through a course, another course. And um, I really enjoyed that and, and was admitted to the bar in November of 2009. So in the end, I did, uh, what's that, like 13 years at the bar. Wow. It's a, it's, so it was a lazy 39 years. <laughs> Not all that from, long at all, really. From, nine, from 1971 to two, 30, 38 years, yeah, I mean, till till 2009. Wow. To me, Mark, it seems light years away from the days that I personally remember you as the uh, the seventies pop star. I remember the the white suits, the carnations, the countdown Sorry to hear appearances. You're that old. <laughs> <laughs> I want to make you my lady. I, I mean, yeah. back at the, those days, do you look back at those days fondly? Uh, was that a comfortable place for you uh, being in the spotlight? I loved it. It it it, uh, it was unexpected. But but I was searching for it. I mean, I wouldn't have gone on that journey. I wouldn't have uh, stood in line at uh, Ernie Sigley's show at, in 1972 in um, in Wellington Square in Adelaide for his show Adelaide Tonight. I wouldn't have stood in line to audition for him if I didn't want that you know light to be shone on me. I mean, I didn't know what it meant. But uh, no, I was chasing it, and it came you know it came to me in bits. 
And you know, I found myself traveling to Melbourne to earn his show when he got the he got the national show out of Melbourne, and then the showcase thing, and then of course countdown and all. So it, it sort of gradually happened. And my first album wasn't a success; it was a failure. And it, was, it wasn't until the second album that that countdown really ignited me. It was just fantastic. It was just awesome to be a part of the whole countdown experience, and and I have just great memories of of that time and the, the fun we had. And I remember uh, being helicoptered into Moorabbin Oval for a gig where Skyhooks was the was the main act, and 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 I helicoptered in, and I was hanging out the and hanging out of the helicopter with two dozen uh, carnations, throwing them, <laughs> trying to throw them onto. The, Trying to throw them onto the onto the Moorabbin Oval because the wind was blowing them onto people's houses, and uh, so people were getting carnations in their backyard. <laughs> and, I, and I was hanging out. There was no there was no safety rules or anything. I was literally hanging out of a helicopter. The helicopter landed outside of the uh, Moorabbin Oval, and then I had a Rolls Royce drive me to the front of the stage as the band was playing. It was just the best fun, honestly. <laughs> Oh, goodness me. Who came up with the carnations and the and the white suit and that whole kind of image? Well, I was um, – but prior to that, I was a, a folk singer and my first yeah. album, I was, a, I was a kind of a folk singer. And uh, that was, you know, I was singing on uh, on campus at Adelaide Uni and and then the countdown thing happened and I, 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 I had some braces and I had some white cricket creams and I had a grandpa shirt, which was a hippie shirt. And I had my dad's old Scotch College jacket. That's what I started with. And then with Countdown being colour, you know, it's hard for people who, who are not our age to uh, remember that that prior to that, television was black and white. And, yeah. and so Countdown arrived right when colour arrived. So, you know, the, the, the Scotch College jacket was, was really bright and colourful and it was kind of looked antique. And uh, the braces, it sort of it, it evolved. And then the, a guy I was working with called Peter Thrallfall had a really good eye for fashion, and he took that and ran with it. And so we went into Hardy Amy suits and and wing collars because at that time, you know, the big acts were ACDC, and you know they were kind of you know pub rock acts. And uh, so so my thing was just unlike anybody else. So I had. I had a look that that really worked on television and and was unlike anybody else, and and the carnation thing happened because uh, on my first appearance on on Countdown, uh, I flew in. I can't remember where I was flying in from, but to 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 go to Elstonwick where Channel Two was, and that's literally just around the corner from where I live now, which is bizarre, but. Coming to from the airport, I thought, well, what am I going to do? What am I going to? Well, you take you take flowers when you're going to see. You know, expecting the girls to be there. I take flowers. What sort of flowers should I take? Well, red because the color red would jump out on television, and you couldn't do um, roses because they're thorns, and you might prick the young girls. Oh, you know? yes. So, so the safest, you know, the safest flower <laughs> was the long stem red carnation. And uh, so during the the dress rehearsal, I gave handed them out to the girls that were in the audience, and they loved it, of course. And they didn't know me at that point. And then when the show started, they started throwing them back to me and <laughs> handing them back to me, and and it and it just became a thing. And and uh, to this day, it's still a thing, and I, I love it. You know, I've, 
I don't get to do it very often anymore, but I sent my sister-in-law 60 long stem red carnations for her 60th birthday. She got a kick out of that. Oh, bad. How, how did you go with the uh, adulation side of it? We had uh, John Paul Young on this uh, podcast and he talked about his countdown appearance where uh, the girls, well, I guess literally uh, – uh, ripped his clothes How off. How is John? <laughs> when did you speak to him last? Oh, uh, been a while. while. He's been yeah, crook of late, I know, yeah. Yeah. But right. I think he's okay now. Yeah. No, John's one of the great blokes, you know. He's just truly uh, one of the one of the tremendous, I mean, apart from being, a, you know, an incredible singer, an incredibly successful international Australian artist, just as a chap, you know, I, I worked on um, Shout the Musical with him and, and I've known him since even before when he was working on the Superstar and that era when I when I did Joseph's Technicolor Dreamcoat. So I've known him at a uh, kind of just like performer level since before he was a star and he's always been just the same tremendous guy. Um, the adulation, he, he, I mean, he was more of a, like he would actually go out and do gigs. I did one tour of seven gigs in my entire career gigs doing and it was it was like the state theater and and uh, Dallas Brooks Hall in Melbourne and you know I did just one tour uh, I, I've never really enjoyed doing gigs my love is making records and and songwriting and and the performing side of it is something that uh, I really don't enjoy uh, I just don't like the travel and it's stressful to me but I, I love the making of the music. It's that part of it. But John has always been, you know, a performer. He's always loved the touring and loved that part of it. I've been um, lucky in that sense that that in those days you could, you, you know, you could make enough money out of your records to do that. Of course, it's the other way around now. The only money you make now is from touring. You don't make any money from records. So it's an it's 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 a it's a brand new business model now. Yeah. But but the adulation. I, I naturally enjoyed it. I was a young bloke and, you know, I mean, it got a bit dangerous a couple of times. There was one young girl that um, in Adelaide that used to try and get a lock of hair and she used to carry around a pair of scissors and, <laughs> you know, lunge at me, lunge at me with a pair of scissors, which nowadays, you know, you'd call the police. But in those days, um, you just, you know, battered her off, you know. <laughs> you know? <laughs> um, <laughs> those were the days. Um, Mark, obviously you're a man of many and varied uh, talents and it would be remiss of us uh, not to ask on a, being a food show as we are. How do you shape up in the kitchen? I'm, no, I'm absolutely hopeless. Oh. No, I, 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 I do the uh, barbecue and I do roast. That's it. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm the roast I'm the roast cooker, and and I'm the barbecue dude. But that's it. No, other than that, I'm I'm not any good in the kitchen at all. So the roast is your signature dish. That's my signature dish. It's easy. I love it, and um, you know it's a it's a beautiful you know winter treat. Yep. Are you a coffee drinker, Mark? I drink gallons of the oh. stuff. If it's <laughs> if it's if it's good for you, uh, then that. I'm positive. If it's bad for you, don't tell me. <laughs> Some people use cocaine. I use coffee. <laughs> are you a coffee snob or are you happy to – I am. Oh, okay, good. I am a coffee snob. No, no, American coffee. I, I, I was there for 16 years and I got used to drinking that slop. It's terrible, and, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it is. No, but the nowadays, nowadays there's a lot of 
uh, really good coffee joints there, and 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 Australians have uh, have had a big impact on coffee. Uh, Strangely enough, and uh, you know, you 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 do find places that are actual Australian coffee shops in, at least in Los Angeles. So you can find good coffee in in Los Angeles now. But but what I do now is I, I get uh, organic coffee, you know, ground coffee from Coles or Woolies, and I just make it myself now at home. I just do a, I just do my own version of it, and uh, you know, I heat the heat the heat the milk, have a super strong, and I have two or three big mugs of it in the morning to get myself fired up. <laughs> so not a chef, but a barista. Well, I wouldn't say a barista, but but I but I prefer, I actually prefer my own coffee now because I make it exactly how I like it. Yeah. And 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 even but but still around where I live in Elwood, there's plenty of great coffee. Yeah. Now I'm just uh, thinking, uh, Mark, you you've played down your uh, your cooking talents or lack of them, but you must have some talent there because you have appeared on um, celebrity version of Come Dine with Me. Yeah, no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't quote that. No, I remember <laughs> I burnt that. I burnt that. I got into a conversation and forgot that the steaks were on the barbie. Even my <laughs> signature barbie, that the, the meat was burnt, and no, no, that was a. I wouldn't say that. And 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 to be honest, I think my wife helped me do the other part of it. Oh. And the dessert and the dessert, I got a limo and we drove down to uh, down to Ackland Street and got some chocolates at a chocolate shop. <laughs> <laughs> Smart move. I would have de- de- declared yeah. you the winner. I thought on the that. limo was a bit of fun. I thought the limo was a bit of fun, and everyone would enjoy it. Absolutely. Yeah. And we got some Sp- some Mexican or Spanish. Uh, what are those? Those oh, churros. Churros. Yeah, the yeah, donuts. That. That's what it was. It was churros, churros and coffee we got oh. as dessert. And you've got that literally in your backyard where you live. Does that mean then? Do you do you have a sweet tooth? I do, oh. it's, and I'm and I'm trying to regulate myself at the moment, and it's really, 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 really hard. <laughs> I'm I, because I've got you know my I'm in my seventieth year. Or I've got a big fat belly. You know, it's just revolting. I haven't got the strength of some of my contemporaries who've maintained their thinness, but I attribute it to uh, party pies, carrot cake, uh, beer and wine. Sounds like the perfect diet to me. I know, I know, I know. And no, but, I, but I'm regulating myself now. I've, we've just been just come back from a long trip, uh, not a long trip, but three weeks in in Italy and, and 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 Greece, which was just heavenly, and and uh, you know I, I ate and drank so much that I've come home and I've I've gone and I've got to go back to the five and two where I only drink two days a week and uh, and no s- sweets during the week, and it's really tough. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I can I can relate. And the amount and the and the amount of and the and the amount of resolve I'd have to have to get thin again. Yeah. is um, almost not worth it at 70. Hey, um, Mark, you're a pretty big advocate for people to embrace uh, new challenges and keep learning new things no matter what yeah, age they very are. very important, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I do think that's really, really important. Was that uh, born out of your own uh, path that you were you were simultaneously, I guess, uh, uh, pursuing music as, as well as uh, legal studies? I think it's always just been some sort of safety thing I've had because being in the music business for as long as I was before the 12, 13 years at the bar, you're paid if you if something's successful and most things aren't successful. You know, the, the, the things that are successful are like a handful. I've had a handful of 
hit songs that I've written, literally a handful. I've written hundreds of songs and 98 or 99% of them aren't successful. So there's been long periods of, of drought and famine. And so I've learned that you have to, A, be uh, careful with, with, with the, the hits that you have, the income that you have, but B, you have to be constantly sowing new seeds and, and constantly, you know, tilling the soil in the hope that, you know, it rains when the seed's in the ground. So that's been uh, something that happened. I don't know why it happened in my life. It's, my brother's like that as well. Um, my sister wasn't like that, but my my brother is is like that. We don't we do come from um, on my mother's side farmers and and merchants, but uh, so there is a sort of an entrepreneurial thing and 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 a profit and loss thing that that, that people who don't have their own businesses and who work for the government or whatever just don't have. They have a regular check, yep. you know. Yep. Uh, but I've never had that, so I've constantly had to be looking forward and planting seeds and 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 thinking about what the next thing could be. You know, it's uh, I'm 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 still doing that really. You're working with uh, some uh, some young artists and some First Nation artists uh, at the moment, uh, doing doing some music with uh, some people. Uh, where, uh, yeah, how, how, did that, how did that happen, and where has that taken you? Well, it's it's taken me on an extraordinary journey. Really, it's a journey that. Uh, that I've been on for quite some time, and that is that the, the Holdens, my father's mob, had uh, were from Victoria. Mum's from South Australia, but but my Victorian father uh, came from a family that uh, first settled on the Bellarine Peninsula, which is down near Geelong, in 1852, and they were the first dispossessors of the Wathaurong people in on the Bellarine, which I didn't know until I got into this journey. But the second generation started a circus, and that's uh, the circus. I always knew that the circus existed, but I didn't know them because my father moved to Adelaide with my mum after the war, and I never got to know the Melbourne Holdens. But I knew that we had a circus, and Dad used to talk about that. And uh, but when I was working for the David Hasselhoff in the nineties, I was making a record in New York with him, and I did a show with Bert Newton's. Good Morning Australia, and he started talking about the Holden Circus, and um, and I said, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm familiar with it. I yes, I am a part of a part of that. People from the circus put together a the Holdens put together a family reunion at the Holy Rosary Church in Cheltenham in Victoria, and uh, I flew all the way back from New York for that, and I met all these fantastic Holdens. Mick Holden and Sonia Holden and Theo Holden and all these great people. And Mick was in the mixtures, which I didn't know. And, and I met the Circus Holdens. And through meeting the Circus Holdens, one of the one of the Holdens, um, um, Murray Holden, uh, told me that you know I needed to go down to the Wathorong Centre to learn about our um, family history and about our dispossession, which I did. And so I started to discover this other story uh, as well as the circus. And um, a mutual friend of, of this guy, Richard J. Franklin, is a Mudinchamara man, an elder and, and an incredible artist and a social justice warrior and incredible songwriter. I, I, I met him to, you know, in, in thinking about the, the Holden Circus story and the fact that they traveled through the tribal nations of Victoria in the 1800s during the massacres. 
And so my, my, and my mutual friend, Michael Reimer, who's the director, said, you've got to meet this guy, Richard Franklin. And I did. And uh, Richard and I, over the first lockdowns, were ex- you know, exchanging music and poetry and stories. And then we eventually met. And then I started listening to his songs. And I loved his songs. And we ended up uh, joining forces to make an album. And there's two tracks that have come out so far. It's been an incredible journey and he's a very generous man and a great storyteller and has has been generous with me in the terms of my stepping over the cultural divide and, and understanding in a way that, you know, I never really did. I mean, it's not, I didn't even know that, that Samuel Holden was the first Holden to come here in 1852. And that he was literally the first, one of the first dispossessors in Victoria. I had no idea about that story. I knew that my father's father and his brother in the 1920s were selling off those blocks of land to send my father to Scotch College wow. uh, during the Depression. I knew about that, but I didn't know that I didn't, didn't the penny never dropped that that was stolen you know, land that was occupied land. So I've backed into this story and I've actually written a book about the story. I've fictionalized it. And, um, it's, uh, it's been an incredible journey to, to, um, to, to meet and know first nations people at a, at a creative level and as a, at a human level and at a personal level. And uh, I think that's been uh, one of the reasons that I got back into the music business, even though I don't know how the music business works anymore. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. It's it's, it's entirely uh, um, it's entirely something that I don't don't really understand anymore. But I'm trying to learn again. And uh, but the making of the music has been joyful and painful and profound and wonderful. And the other guy I'm working with, that's Richard J. Franklin. And the other guy I'm working with is Joel Turner, who was the artist that I signed out of Idol back in oh, yes. 2007, or actually earlier than that. And I had a number one hit with him called These Kids. So I've, I've rehooked up with him. He's so talented, and I'm just uh, just trying to find a way to to get in to get him into the TikTok world, which he's embracing. And you know, I hate. Uh, but but it's you know but it's part of relearning and but you know I just have so much respect for his talent and there's a young uh, woman who I uh, who I met through a singing teacher who I'm interested in who's a songwriter and and I don't know whether I'll end up working with her but but I hope I do and so it's just great at this point in my life to at seventy to be looking ahead rather than looking back. And but looking back in the sense of the Holden's relationship to First Nations people and the dispossession has been a, a profound learning experience for me of cross, crossing the cultural divide and trying to understand the world from a way that I didn't ever have any personal connection with, even though my family had uh, so profoundly benefited from it. 150 years ago so it, it particularly at this time of the the referendum and and all of that it's a very meaningful part of my life right now oh 
Wow. And literally stumbled onto it. Wow, that's amazing. That's a, and that's backed amazing into story. it, backed into it in a in a really yeah, in a really unusual way. Through through my love of the circus and the fascination I had as a kid with the fact that we had a circus and that I always felt that I was a part of that circus even though uh, I didn't know anything about it, you know, and I still do feel like I'm part of that circus. And I've got to know the, the circus Holdens and I love them mm. and I love the fact that they're all musicians and there's, and there's some dark parts of it as well and uh, that's part of the truth of the story, you know. Yeah, that's incredible. Hey, Mark, thanks so much for your time, mate. That's a fascinating story. Uh, lovely to catch up with you. Good to know that you're, Good on you. you're going well and uh, you're going strong. Good on you, guys. Thank you. All right. All the best. You're listening to Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier. All right. Alrighty. Mr. Touchdown. Woo-hoo. There you go. Very interesting conversation. Fascinating history. That that yep. whole Holden Circus stuff is, is quite... And he's a very learned man, too. Yes, he is. Uh, and uh, doing some really good stuff with uh, some of those artists that he mentioned, yep. uh, Joe Turner and that at the end For of sure. uh, that interview. All right, let's oh, get to the food poll. let's get to the food poll. Let's make it sweet. Oh, We're putting lemon curd oh, up against Nutella. All right, let's see what you thought. We'll start with Lisa. And Lisa says it is lemon curd all the way. Rebecca says, my friend makes a super yummy palm oil-free Nutella. I can just eat it oh. for days. And it's obviously vegan. Yep. Mm. Silvana says, I am not a fan of Nutella uh, and I've never tasted lemon curd, Silvana. Silvana, all the way around now. Oh, let the press. Just going to go around your blame. You cannot cannot go through life without having tasted lemon curd. Jimmy Wilson says neither. Oh. Sue Landry says lemon curd. Jimmy Wilson doesn't often just give a one-word answer either, I can tell you. No, but he's done a face palm emoji. Can I just say the emojis were off the charts this week with this one. I've never seen so many emojis before in my life. Uh, Terry says Nutella. Sue Hosking says lemon curd for me. I can't remember the last time I had Nutella. It wasn't very memorable. Uh, Davin (laughs) says another tough one. It's almost a coin toss for me. I love them both. Oh, can't split them for Davin. Roz Tremble says, it's Sophie's Choice for me. They're both so good. No, oh. I don't understand, but I figured Sophie's Choice must be the choosing movie. both. Yeah, Meryl Streep. Choosing both. I don't think I ever saw the movie. I, I didn't so see I don't know if I understand the reference. Lemon curd Nutella or Meryl Streep, one of the three. <laughs> anyway, uh, Tina says, Nutella for me, I love chocolate. Yeah. Lydia Wheeler, she says lemon curd. Sharon says, Nutella, yuck. Yucky from me. Oh, okay. Leonie says definitely homemade lemon curd. Kathleen says lemon curd swirled through yogurt and spooned over sliced white peaches or nectarines. Oh, hello. Also as a topping for a pav. Nutella eaten straight from the jar or heated in the microwave and poured over vanilla ice cream. Kathleen says both. I love the way you read that, Kevin. That made me ravenous. Kathleen's big. (laughs) <laughs> no, she's very creative as well. Good what on she you, is. Kathleen. Tell you. Michelle Smith says lemon butter. I just made a big batch up myself. Oh, yum. Caroline says lemon curd must be homemade and lemony. Yes, the lemoniness is non negotiable. Yes, that's not a word. <laughs> it is now. That's not a word. Karen Young says it is lemon uh, curd for her. Daz says curd. Scott says neither. Joe, the doc, says uh, Nutella. Well, does that mean the doctor says it's okay for us to eat Nutella? Yes. Well, no. I'll have to go and talk uh, to him. I want a second opinion on that. <laughs> Candace Wyatt says Nutella. Lynn says lemon curd. Cherry Ripe says Nutella. Merv Hughes says neither. Thanks. Oh, Merv. 
Jeez. The sandy crack, lemon curd. It's the same thing as lemon butter when I was a youngster. I almost bought a jar of it at the Violet Town Farmer's Market yesterday. Wow. wow. Probably killing Heidi over underneath the tree <laughs> uh, was uh, was playing in the background. Uh, Violet Town's most famous export. Yeah, it is. Uh, and old croaky finishes us off by saying, look, there's something rather alluring about oh. lemon curd. The same can't be said about Nutella. I'm in the curd camp. The curd, alluring. Does that make it a sexy, a sexy well, there condiment? There is something sort of sexy about lemon curd. Sexy uh, and tangy. Yeah. Oh, the lemony. And uh, there's a little uh, place in Lock yes. uh, in Victoria that uh, that you've discovered that mm. does a lemon uh, slice that is just... Well, I always bring Kevin home a bang. slice when I pass through. It goes bang in your mouth. It's it explodes. Beautiful. Now, the voting is interesting. Oh. Both 12. There we go. Neither. Sixteen. Oh, wow. Nutella, twenty-four. Oh. And lemon curd doubled that on oh, forty-eight. Lemon curd, so the clear winner. Lemon curd would need the preferences of both and neither <laughs> to get into office, but but is is uh, ahead on I'm a first-past-the-post. Um, I'm not surprised lemon curd won. I did expect uh, Nutella would poll higher than that, but, mm. you know, these things are surprising. You know, first into the gob. Poll, uh, Nutella runs second. You know, we used to get at our school camp uh, canteen and it was in a little uh, tiny sort of sachet and it came with a the tiny... Nutella? Yeah, the Nutella and it came with a little... looked like one of those tongue depressors you get in a doctor's surgery that you could scoop it out with a little plastic uh, spatula and put it in your gob. They turned up in nightclubs a lot in the late 80s. Sit around the Carrumburra <laughs> High School quadrangle gorging ourselves on Nutella and saying it's full of hazelnutty goodness. Yes. Yeah, well, we, you know, we tell ourselves all sorts of things. But good on the lemon curd. Yes. The le- le- lemony, what is it, what's that new word? Lemoniness. 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 That's a new word that we've invented on this program. Mm. See what we do on this program? It's oh, quite no. amazing. We're groundbreaking. Uh, that is Food Bites. Hope you've enjoyed it. Till next time, go and get some lemon curd India. See you later. Thanks for listening to Food Bites. Check out our Facebook page for recipes, tips and all the latest news. That's Food Bites with Sarah Patterson and Kevin Hillier.